everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my books, my preaching, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com. Shalom, y'all. <laughs> oh, welcome to this good word, episode 61. Today's word is emotion. Uh, we are in a very emotionally charged season of life right now, at least here in the United States. And so today I want to talk about the role that emotion plays in our overall health and wholeness. I want to talk about ways to notice our emotions without judging them. And then how to make room to express our emotions without demeaning anybody, uh, especially ourselves. So I want to tell a story about my son, Ben, that happened recently, a time where he expressed some very intense emotions. And then I want to take a look at one of the teachings of Jesus. And then I want to make some observations about our culture as it relates to expressing emotion, hearing emotion, knowing what to do with emotion, and moving toward health, wholeness, healing, all that good stuff. Because after all, uh, the whole focus of this podcast is to reclaim what's holy about our humanity. And I think one of the most human parts of us and most misunderstood parts of us is knowing how to deal with these emotions as they come up. So I want to read a Richard Rohr quote. This comes from a great book, Yes And, and it's on emotion. And Richard Rohr writes this, We must go through the stages of feeling." Not only in the last death of anything, but all the earlier little deaths. I love that. If we abort these emotional stages by easy answers, all they do is take a deeper form of disguise and come out in another way. So many people learn that the hard way, by suffering from ulcers or depression, by finding themselves victims to chronic irritability or misdirected anger, or by succumbing to all sorts of psychosomatic illnesses because they refuse to let their emotions run their course, honor them consciously, or find some appropriate place to share them. Emotions, Rohr writes, are not right or wrong. They're not good or bad. They're merely indicators of what is happening, and they must be listened to, usually in the body. People who do not feel deeply finally do not know or love deeply either. Mama, that was intense. And some of you may want to pause, rewind, and listen to that uh, a few more times. So let's talk about going through all the stages of feelings and noticing all the little earlier deaths, all the earlier little deaths. So my son, Ben, recently, uh, we were sitting down at dinner and uh, I just asked him a pretty innocuous question, I thought. Innocuous? That's not the right word. Uh, but a pretty innocent question. And I said, Ben, um, you know, tell me about tell me about today. Tell me about what happened at school. And his face got red and he started sort of slamming his hands on the table and then he just uh, started blurting out how upset he was because all of the kids in his classroom kept disrupting the class, kept getting, uh, uh, you know, uh, put on timeout by their teacher. And there's this reward that they get called Moosey. 
And I have no idea what Moosey was, but Ben just kept saying, and, and if they keep getting in trouble, we're not going to be able to do Moosey. And, and so I said, uh, Ben, what's Moosey? And he just lost it. He started crying and he said, Dad, you don't know anything. You don't know my life. And I felt so bad because I honestly, I don't know what Moosey is. Um, <laughs> in the moment, you know, maybe I could have Googled it or something, but we were right in the middle of this conversation that was so intense. And so I kept, we, Mary and I kept asking him questions and his brothers didn't really know what to do. And finally he he just said, I need to take a break. And he ran upstairs and went to his room and I looked at, at Mary and she said, this is how he's been acting after school most days. So he came back downstairs and he wanted to talk some more about it. And so we just kept asking questions like, it sounds like you're frustrated, Ben. What are you frustrated about? Um, it sounds like you're angry that you're not being rewarded for your good behavior. You're just being punished because of the behavior of other people. And... Um, so we we went on and on, and I think finally, it's it's not like we even got to the bottom of it all, but I think he got to the bottom of at least expressing it. And then the next morning, I got a chance to hug him and look at him in the eyes, and, and I said, Ben, thank you so much for sharing with me what you were frustrated at about school lately. Uh, I want to help you um, figure out what to do with with those and, and and we talked about some solutions. We talked about maybe talking to some of his teachers. We talked about ways in which he could um, you know manage some of those emotions. And let me tell you guys, even as I say all this, maybe you're thinking, oh wow, you were so in the moment. Most of the time, I, I I'm like I'm not you know it's I I don't parent in this textbook good way. But but I think because of I don't know I'm think I've been thinking about this lately. Uh, about how to express emotion and how to listen to others' emotions without judging them and without, um, you know, immediately going to this dark place either about yourself or about someone else. I, I had the presence of mind to kind of, you know, step into it, and Mary did too, and so it was a good thing. But I just needed to say that, lest you think I'm some shining example of some someone that responds well to their kids' outbursts all the time. Every once in a while, I say, as I've said before. Stop yourself. <laughs> and sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes because emotions can get out of control, can hijack everything else. So, um, so, and then also recently, uh, I was in a conversation via text with uh, one of my friends that I love. And there was a question that was posed to me about whether or not my family is going to be involved in, in something. And it was really not going to be possible for us for a number of reasons. Uh, it was something we wanted to do, but something we just couldn't do uh, because it was a boundary we set. And it just felt like I just, it, to, to, to do it would be actually not good for our family. So I just say no. And then the response I got back was pretty short. It was like two sentences and whoa. And so I texted back, ouch which was totally passive aggressive. <laughs> but I'm sure you've never sent a passive aggressive text. And then, but then I sort of, uh, because I love this person so much, I immediately, well, maybe after a minute or two, not immediately, but a minute or two, 
I texted back, I'm sorry I wrote that word, ouch. Um, I, I, I love you and I'm sorry this can't work out. Um, let's talk more. And so that opened up a conversation where that person was able to really share uh, that they were hurt and they were a little angry, but that they were going to get over it and they wanted to respect um, uh, you know, our decision and our answer. And we got a chance to really go deep, actually, and it was really healthy and really, really good. And it felt like everyone got a chance to share their emotions and they got validated and no one got trampled and it wasn't like everyone got their ideal scenario their ideal solution but something really generative happened and something opened up and I think that's what we're looking for when when you feel hurt by someone when they say no or you feel hurt by someone because Maybe they don't respect a boundary or you feel like you feel dinged by someone's comment, whether they it was passive aggressive or they meant it or not, or you feel slighted or you feel like someone uh, doesn't think you work hard enough or you feel like someone doesn't value the thing that you're bringing and you're working so hard to bring it. Whatever it is, you're going to have dozens of these uh, things a day, dozens of little lights that go off on the dashboard. And that's what emotions are. There are lights that go off on the dashboard that that explain that something is happening. Like Richard Rohr says, they're not right or wrong. Emotions really aren't. They're not good or bad. They're just indicators of what's really going on. Like so, so um, uh, I think it's helpful when you're noticing that you're feeling something strongly to if you can and if you can't do it in the moment you usually can't maybe a little later on that day you just ask what was I feeling and where was I feeling it all right so so maybe let's go with the first question first what am I feeling am I feeling hurt am I feeling rejected am I feeling overwhelmed am I feeling angry am I feeling not listened to Am I feeling rushed? Am I feeling forced to do something I don't want to do? Do I feel uncomfortable with something that someone's asking me to do? Do I feel lonely? Do I feel tired? Do I, f- I mean, all these things. And you can just, like, honestly, it wouldn't be a terrible thing to have a list of emotions uh, on a piece of paper for you to just look at and go, yep, because it's usually, it's probably going to be a number of things. I feel tired. And so I feel a little bit more angry than I, and irritable than I normally would. And it makes me feel rejected. And so I feel lonely. I mean, so just identifying like what's lurking underneath the feeling. I've had times where even, you know, I'm, I'm driving down the road and I accidentally change lanes without looking and, um, and I cut someone off, you know, and I've had people get so upset and, of course, that's happened to you too. It happens to all of us. But then, like I notice, it isn't just this thing, oh, you know, I feel sorry. I, I actually feel a wash of shame down my back. Like when someone like yells at me through the closed window or shakes their fist at me or flips me off or whatever. I, you know, instead of just feeling like, oh man, I'm sorry, and then moving on, I actually carry that for a while. Like I did something terrible, you know? And um, so that leads us to the second question, where am I feeling it? 
And this is a little more difficult, but like when I feel shame, and I call it a shame wash, when I've done something or someone accuses me of doing something that sort of hits a core value that I that I don't want to be about, or when or when it's revealed that I've made a terrible mistake, uh, I feel a shame wash down my back, and it literally feels like. Um, it, I, it's hard to explain, but it feels like warm water washing down my back if warm water felt bad. You know what I mean? Like like warm water typically feels good, but this feels like a prickly, like warm water mixed with shards of glass scraping down my back. It's not a good thing. Or maybe when you feel anxiety, you feel it, you literally, you, you, you put your hand to your stomach because you feel it in your gut. Or maybe when someone's talking to you and you're feeling overwhelmed, you immediately, both your hands go up to your eyes and you rub your eyes and you kind of drop your head. You're feeling it in your head. Or maybe you massage your temples. Or maybe you reach up and, and, uh, and, and try to work a knot out of your neck. I think unexpressed emotions show up in our bodies. And I think there's something to if you can't describe what you're feeling and you can describe where you're feeling it, sometimes it's helpful to put your hand on the place where you're feeling it, gut, neck, eyes, temples, back, whatever it is, and take two deep breaths in and out slowly and then just repeat something like, have mercy, Lord have mercy which is an invocation of sort of a desperate prayer for compassion to come and meet you where it is that you're hurting. Lord, have mercy, right? And so what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And then it's a good and helpful question to say, what is being threatened? Like, so if a boundary is being threatened and you've, you're trying to set a boundary about what you are and aren't gonna do, and then someone is there needling you, Ah, come on, come on, just do it. You're you're feeling um, that a, that your boundary is being threatened. Maybe your identity feels like it's being threatened. Maybe your sense of well-being is being threatened. Maybe your sense of being liked is threatened. Uh, you know, so like when you post something on Facebook and then someone fires back with some disagreement, and it isn't like. Because if you could step out of yourself and look down at it, you would realize like, hey, everyone has the right to agree and disagree. And the fact that someone disagreed with, with my opinion really doesn't have any bearing on my identity. I mean, it's really, it's just someone expressing an opinion. Uh, maybe they could have expressed it better or maybe they could have taken more time. But instead, we feel like some of those disagreements, even on something as weird as Facebook, which everybody knows Facebook comments are the lowest common denominator of humanity on the planet. Uh, probably that was an overstatement, but they're not good. And um, But but because um, many times our identity feels threatened, then the disagreement uh, on the comment that we or the comment that we read about the post that we made feels like our identity is being threatened, not just this one opinion. Does that make sense? Um, so you have to ask the question, what is being threatened? And then I think another question, once you've kind of gotten to the bottom of all that stuff, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? What is being threatened? 
I think you got to ask the question, how do I need to respond if I do need to respond? Do I need to say something? Do I need to ask some clarifying questions? Do I need to go back and say, hey, when you said that thing, actually, here's what rose up in me. And I'm not even saying it's all rational, but because I want to be in relationship with you, I have to be honest about how it made me feel. That's what my friend did via text when I said our family couldn't do it. My friend said that they felt hurt and a little angry, and that's okay. Like That is so healthy and good to express that. But my friend f- felt like they needed to respond in a certain way. And, you know, um, we both, f- before we got to the the real responses, the, the good responses, we both responded with some passive aggressiveness. Uh, they did once, and then I did once with the ouch, and, and before that they did one. And that's just going to happen, gang. I mean, you're like you're not going to respond perfectly when you feel hurt. Usually the first reaction is probably not going to be your best reaction. That's... That's a lot of times why like sometimes you need to write that email and then save it as a draft before you send it. And like like if you're feeling emotion when you're typing out those words, it's usually a good idea to, to hold on to that for a few hours at least or maybe 24 hours. Come back to it and say, okay, now that the, now that the emotion is a little more processed maybe, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? Uh, what is being threatened? How do I want to respond? then you can have a little bit more clarity about how you actually want to, to want to respond. And then I think it's the question, what does love look like? You know, uh, how am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? What is being threatened? How do I need to respond? And then really, what does love look like? And love isn't some syrupy, sentimental, always do the nice thing. I think oftentimes love is saying the hard thing. Love is going the last 10%. Love is revealing where someone hurt you. Love is opening up the vulnerable conversation where you're going to say something that opens you up to maybe even more misunderstanding. Love is powerful. Love is reconciling. Love opens the door to healing. Love knocks down walls. But all of that takes work and it's very hard. I get really upset. Well, that's not totally true. I... I... I feel protective of the word love because I think some people think it's just the syrupy sentimentality. It's the kind thing. It's the, it's the weak thing. It's the, but I, I, I totally disagree. I think love is one of the hardest things to do, to love yourself well, to love others well, to actually walk through that kind of a process where you kind of take the time to say, uh, what, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? Uh, what is being threatened? How do I want to respond? That's the loving thing to do. And it will cost you. It'll take time. And so I think it's really important to notice that, that the loving thing is often the hard thing. It's often not the, the shortcut or the nice thing. It's the hard thing, but it's the generative thing. Love is what heals and reconciles but first it sometimes has to open up a wound so it can be cleaned but the alternative is just to be overly passive aggressive or overly nice but the emotions don't go anywhere other than just deep down within you and then the next time you are in contact with that person you have 50,000 layers that you're never going to open up to them and you're never going to allow you're never going to give them the benefit of the doubt on any other things and they may have said something they hadn't even known and now there's a covert war going on that you're totally in but they don't even know what's happening. 
So love tells the truth. Love is patient. Love works it out. Love uh, takes the time to process. So Jesus has this really, uh, this series of teachings, and they're called the Beatitudes. And they're these pithy phrases that um, actually are some of the wisest, most revolutionary teachings of our time. And they're found in Matthew 5, and he starts with, you know, he gathers these disciples together, and he basically tells them the way the system is, the way the world is set up, is actually not the way wholeness in life comes. The way the system is set up, which um, makes the rich get richer and the poor get poor and keeps those in power in power and keeps those who are oppressed oppressed, that's actually not um, the route toward peace and wholeness and fullness. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some some things to think about. I'm going to give you a new way of living that's going to change the price tags on everything. It's going to upturn the tables. It's going to turn everything upside down. So the first thing he says is blessed or happy or fulfilled or um, are the poor in spirit, which basically means um, you are you. I am on your side when you're at the end of your rope. When you have nothing left, when you have no one left, when everyone else is against you, I'm on your side. Which would fly in the face of the political system that says, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You give this, I'll give that. And it's all about power. And it's all about um, you know these shady deals back and forth. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, that all happens. So if you think that your party is better than the other party or more, uh, more pure than the other party. I, I just, you, you know, internally that that's just not true. Uh, I, I think all, all grace to anyone who feels strongly about one party over another, but just don't, don't do it on the basis that one is more moral than, 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 the, than the other. Cause it's just, it's just not true. The teachings of Jesus say that, uh, I am on your side. Jesus says, when you've come to the end of your rope, that's blessed are the poor in spirit. But then the next one is really what I want to camp on. And it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. So I'm on your side when you grieve, Jesus says. I'm on your side when you weep and wail and lament. Penthos is the Greek word that's the root word of pentheo, which Jesus uses for mourning. And it means not only to grieve, but to express grief. So it's not just the feeling of grief. It says, I'm on your side when you express it. One of my favorite teachings on this is one of my mentors, Dave Johnson, from the church I used to work at, Church of the Open Door in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Years ago, he gave this teaching, and he said the idea of mourning in this sense, pentheo or penthos, means to get out here, so to get outside of yourself verbally that which is inside to express the feeling that you are feeling, to get out here what is in here. And I think that well, that's what happening. That's what was happening with Ben. He had some deep feelings about this uh, thing that was happening in his class. So it was happening in my text with my friend back and forth and back and forth. There were some deep feelings. And so it's, I think we can infer from Jesus' teaching that it's not just about like those who cry when someone dies. It's about those who express any kind of emotion that is lurking inside. When you felt 
dinged, hurt, when you're a little angry, when you're a lot angry, when you're confused, when you're overwhelmed, when you're tired, when you take the time to say, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? Um, and uh, what is being threatened? How do I want to respond? What does love look like? When we take the time to express these things, I really think we can move toward a, a more, a much more humane way of dealing with each other, a much more civil, and I think that word is even not strong enough, but a much more loving way to interact with one another. I think we are all starving for an environment that feels safe, where we can actually start uh, tearing down the walls that have been built up between classes, between genders, between ethnicities, between political parties, where we can actually listen to one another and be validated. I think there's so much anger in, uh, happening right now. There's so much fear happening right now. And as I've read, uh, I can't remember the quote, but when you see anger, when you see deep, deep anger, right below that emotion is usually fear. So I think um, one of the things that's interesting, I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. And uh, I, I will continue to be vocal about that. But I think uh, he really has tapped into some deep, deep anger and fear that many millions of Americans feel. And I don't agree with his solutions. I don't agree with the way he's doing it. But he has tapped into a deep-seated fear and anger about the way that things are, are not the way that they're supposed to be. And to that, I would say, let's enter into some good dialogue about some actual solutions that might actually move us as a people toward healing and wholeness. But it's going to involve a whole lot more than, it's, gonna, it's not going to involve building walls. It's going to involve tearing walls down between that which divides. It's going to be about listening to people. It's going to be about validating um, what's happening underneath the surface. It's going to be about extending freedom to people to disagree with us without taking it so personally. It's going to be about doing your own work, which means naming your feelings. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? How do I need to respond? Uh, what is being threatened? What does love look like? These are all just questions that we got to be asking. If we're going to move toward any kind of healing, the, the fissure that is just, uh, it's, it's the fault lines are moving. The earthquake is rumbling. It's happening, uh, especially in our country and here in the United States. We are more divided than we have perhaps ever been. Uh, and it's the shockwaves are happening all over. And after the election, it's going to be even worse. So my brothers and sisters, change always first happens by um, realizing what's really happening. So I want to encourage all of us to be people who are emotionally intelligent, to use a term that Dan Goleman uh, coined in his great book, Emotional Intelligence. But Let's let's grow our emotional intelligence by being people who pause. When we're feeling something, we're going to pause. We're going to ask, what am I feeling? We're going to ask, why am I feeling it? 
Uh, we're going to ask what's being threatened. We're going to ask how do I need to respond? And we're going to ask what does love do? So some of you pause that email or maybe send an apology or spend a little time staring out the window so you can figure out what's happening underneath the surface. Notice those lights on the dashboard, those emotions that are, again, neither good nor bad. They're just there. They're just indicators of what must be listened to. Notice where you're feeling it in the body. Put your hand on that place, your gut, your temples, your eyes, your neck, your back, and then breathe, Lord, have mercy, so that God actually would bring some compassion to that place. And when someone has the courage to express some emotion to you, some ways in which maybe they feel hurt by you, angry at you, just know they're not going to do that perfectly, and they're going to do it, you know, hopefully they're going to get better at it. But if someone expresses something to you, you know, the good thing is that they expressed it to you. <laughs> they did it maybe with a little too much anger. They did it with too much fear. They blasted you. But again, I think you could come back and say, you know, I want to thank you for expressing it to me instead of going underground. But then, you know, then then you could talk about, hey, you know, the next time this happens, uh, maybe we could work on expressing it a little differently. Um, I would love for you to ask me some questions instead of just blasting away at me and then see what happens. Uh, we, friends, we can person by person, interaction by interaction, we can actually enact incredible revolution of change in how we, uh, in this in this in this crazy crazy season of anger and fear, by just doing these things, by 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 noticing where we're getting hijacked by emotion, and by asking, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? Um, what's being threatened? How do I need to respond? And what does love look like? If, if that this is the way of Jesus, gang, I don't care. Um, I don't care what what particular religion you belong to. This is Jesus, blessed are those who mourn, expressing a human um, need and and showing how God wants to address it, showing how you can address it in a way that it will lead toward healing and wholeness. So uh, that is all I got, my friends, on emotion. I want to end uh, by letting you know that I'm, we're just a few weeks away from my event, Genderful, with my friend Aaron Lane. Um, and this is designed to be a, a different kind of conversation about masculinity and femininity and how to find fullness, yours and God's, beyond the binaries. It's Saturday, November 12th, here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Tickets are on sale now. Just go to steveweens.com events. Or click on the link that'll be on the show notes. Um, it is uh, it's on November twelfth, so it's coming up, gang. So buy your tickets now. If you type in this good word into the promotion code, you will save twenty five percent off the ticket price. So get into that. And um, for the rest of you, gang, grace and peace. Um, Let's end with our mantra. Uh, we are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together. So grateful for all of you, my friends. Oh, and here's the deal. I almost forgot this. Uh, in the next few weeks, I want to do a sort of a listener's choice podcast. So 
I don't know if I've ever done this before. I, I, I don't think I have. Usually I pick the word. I, I, I listen to what's rumbling around in me. And this time I want to, I want to hear from you. What, what do you, what, what do you want to hear from me in the next few weeks? What word are you especially interested in talking about? And then just email me, Steve at steveweens.com. That's W I E I before E W I E N S.com. Steve, Steve at steveweens.com. And uh, tell me what, what word you want to talk about and tell me why you want to talk about it. And we'll get into it. I'll take some time to kind of do some thinking about it. And so it'll take a few weeks, but please do that. Okay, gang, uh, in it together. Peace.